We're in the middle of a series called Thy Kingdom Come. And this is the fourth installment of that series. If you uh, would uh, do yourself a favor and download the OSC Connect app, uh, you can uh, find the other sermons on there. All of our campuses post our uh, audio on, on there. Only the Jennings campus posted, posts video content on there. You're welcome to listen to that as well. But if you do want to listen to this sermon, you have to go to the, to the listen part, not the watch part. Go to media and go to listen. And then you'll find um, the title of the sermons uh, there. And, and you, can, you can go and recap or you can catch up if you, if you had to miss something. I think it's important because it's kind of a progressive series. Because in the first one we spoke about what is the kingdom of God. And uh, we spoke about uh, kingdom um, priorities in the second one. In the third one we spoke about kingdom government. So last, last Sunday we took extensive principles of just how are we as Christians supposed to operate in a world where there's human government? Um, how do we choose? How do we vote? And uh, we, we went there. We <laughs> discussed that. And um, many, many survived that sermon. Uh, I don't know if all survived it. <laughs> <If you're laughs> but it was, it was a fun time together to talk about these things from a biblical perspective um, without, uh, without pushing a particular side. Um, and so, uh, myself don't vote currently, um, not because I don't vote, but because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, a legal, not a illegal, <laughs> I'm a legal immigrant <laughs> in your nation. <laughs> and uh, um, so, I'm not allowed to vote right now, uh, only after we've become citizens uh, a couple of years down the line will we be able to partake in that privilege. But I do see it as a privilege um, that any country would afford its people to be able to participate in a, a selecting a government that is for the people, by the people. Um, and um, yeah, so we went there and what we saw was that Jesus did not come to pr- provide an alternative religion for the world to pick from. Um, it's like, you know, so many people see Christianity as a one amongst the many of uh, you know options that there are out there. In fact, uh, Jesus did not come with the intention to establish a religion. He came to establish a government. He came to establish a rulership that would operate in the hearts of men and would govern and guide men internally to do externally what he wants them and what he wants, how he wants them to live. Um, and um, we saw that it that the kingdom of God is bigger than heaven. Heaven is part of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is already in operation here on earth with us right now. And everywhere where God's word is being obeyed, where his principles are being applied in our lives, that's where the kingdom of God is in operation. And that's where the king has rulership. Uh, And uh, our objective is to help people to bring all of their lives under the rulership of Jesus Christ. It's called lordship. And what we found was that nowhere in Scripture do you actually get the option of receiving Jesus as your Savior without also acknowledging Him as your Lord. Which means that this, what we're doing here, we're not playing church, we're not exercising religion. Even though it's categorized, it will always be categorized as a religion. In fact, what we're doing is we're serving a different government that is... In this place, but not of this place. And we are described as being ambassadors of our home nation in a foreign nation. We are called aliens, uh, according to the scriptures, on earth. Because we actually are from a different place. We are from a kingdom that is not visible, that is not here, that, that is here, but you can't see it in physical form. 
Um, and Jesus spoke a lot about this. In fact, if you go and listen to the actual and read the actual sermons that Jesus preached over and over, his disciples preached over and over, and after that, well, John the Baptist did it. After that, the disciples kept on preaching this message that the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus would explain that when something happens to somebody that is will the kingdom of god arrives in that situation and it dictates the outcome of a situation and so you have to ask yourself the question is the king in rulership over my life or am i still ruling my life because as a christian that is what we're called to do we're called to enthrone jesus in our lives in other words i don't get to do christianity my way I have to submit and align my absolute, every opinion, preference into what God's word says about my life. I have to serve his vision for my life, not my vision of my life and try and coerce him through prayer to help me get what I want. That is not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about me laying down my crown, picking up my cross and following Christ. And him and him alone as the king of my life. And so it's with that in mind that we step into questions like, so how does that inform my conduct? How does that inform my decisions? How does that inform who I vote for? Um, and go listen to last week's sermon. I'm not going to do all of that again because today we need to talk about kingdom unity. And um, uh, the Bible is, is very clear that unity is, is not just something that is a, you know, added extra. It's actually essential to, to God's presence and God's working here on earth. and um, You are all familiar with the whole Pledge of Allegiance thing, right? Okay, so I did not grow up here, so please excuse my uh, <laughs> ignorance of this fact. But didn't you all, like when you were growing up, have moments where you would be told to stand, look to the flag, and then say up the Pledge of Allegiance kind of thing? We had similar things like that. I'll, I'll say a bit about that just now. Um, but you would, you would look to the flag, you would turn to the flag, and then you would, you would pledge allegiance as it, it was written in, as it was written in 1892. Um, you'd say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Let me just say right now that I'm not yet pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I'm still a South African citizen. So for all of those people out there from my home nation, I still love home. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but I do recognize and respect that I am in a different nation. But that's what you'll say. You'll say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Is that correct? All right, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm getting there. Notice the word indivisible. Indivisible. Okay. Indivisible. Thank you all for correcting my speech. <laughs> indivisible i was told it's not reaching people building lives it's reaching people building lives so <laughs> i'm getting there anyways um that's just my south african uh accent coming through indivisible so <laughs> the the founders of 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 this republic had like a creed that this was going to be indivisible. This place would be undivided. Yet what do we see today? Do we see a, an undivided nation? For goodness sake, no. <laughs> it's the exact opposite, right? It is a divided nation, highly divided over many a various issue. Um, in 1954, President Eisenhower, Eisenhower, 
Thank you. Uh, encouraged Congress to add the words under God. This man had some wisdom. He had an epiphany. He was like, hey, look, we're never going to reach a state of unity if we don't have a higher order that is calling us all to change and adjust. Because that really is what God provides. He provides a perspective that is beyond each of our perspectives. And he provides something that is called, it's a very significant word, it's a very difficult word these days to understand. Um, you know, it's been, the concept has been so marred and, 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 and taken and to be mean anything really that you want it to mean these days. But uh, God gives us a little thing called truth. That really very few people seem to understand these days what truth actually is. In fact, it's not new because not even Pontius Pilate, who just Jesus, understood what truth was, even though truth was standing in front of him. Um, it is and remains to this day a thing that people find hard to, to come to terms with. Um, but he wanted the words under God in there. And I agree with that because there is absolutely no way that you are going to get, create unity in a place without a referee, without a person who says when both parties are wrong and what of each party is right. Right now we live in the divided states of America. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. There is so, so much division going on. But you know what? Last week I spoke about the why of us needing to acknowledge the kingdom of God. And that is because the church is actually meant to provide a better way. The church is meant to model something that's different from what the world, not does model, but is able to model. Because the world does not have a king that calls each and every person to repent to his opinion. And therefore, man's opinion just comes to an impasse around every corner. And what we really need as the church is to recognize the fact that we have become followers of our culture instead of being leaders of our culture that call all of our culture to repent to the truth of Jesus Christ in order to create unity. And as the church, if we would be able to do that, we will actually be able to be a leader and an influence in our society that helps people to see that, hey, if Jesus is king, this can be fixed. Without Jesus... We're just running around the same track every single year and nothing's going nowhere. And it cannot go anywhere because if your opinion is as weighty as my opinion, how are we going to come together if we do not agree? We're not. Until somebody tells you that you're right and me that I'm wrong or somebody says to you, you've got this right but your motive is wrong and we all need to repent. But that's what parents do with their kids, right? <laughs> The other day, Ava comes running. Ava Hope comes running in. Ava, stick her tongue out to me. I'm like, Ava. You know, I get such a, well, why did you do it? Well, she choked me. I'm like, well, there you have it. The one who commits the offense comes and they're offended because somebody did something bad to them that they're not allowed to do. Well, was there something offensive you did to cause that offense, maybe? It comes out. When does it come out? Not when the two are at loggerheads. It comes out when an objective party comes and I, let's see. Let's let the truth emerge from the situation and see 
All right. Now you say sorry to her for this. Now you say sorry to her for that. All right, can we all kiss and make up and go play back? Yes, Daddy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All done. Let's go back in unity and let's go enjoy the, what we gained, what we played. That's how important God is in society. Without that aspect, you never have peace and unity. And that's why the church has the best chance to actually be united of all individual, of all situations in, in, in this life. Now, let me say that I know that there's never going to be complete unity. I'm not living in a world peace. I'm not living in a world that is a utopian kind of scenario where I think that this is ever going to be the case because we live in a world with two different kingdoms that can never sit around the same campfire. There is the kingdom of darkness and there is the kingdom of light. And we are not meant to start actually arbitrate between, you know, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We're just meant to expel the kingdom of darkness. But I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about Christians. How we treat each other if we find that one is different, voting different from the other one. How we, the things we say to each other. It's not the same as the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. And, and let's be clear about that, that we're playing along the same, we're playing into the plan of Satan because he strateg- his plan is destruction and his strategy is division. The way he gets the church to fall is for the church to turn on itself. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And we cannot be led by a different spirit than the Holy Spirit, y'all. That's the leader of the church on earth. The Bible says that he will guide us into all truth. We have to acknowledge that we as a church have been Allowing society to tell us where we pledge our allegiance to. We have not been pledging our allegiance to the king. We have been thinking that Jesus just serves our purposes and our vision for our lives. He does not. He wants you to serve his. We had the order wrong. Jesus prayed something so significant when he was about to leave the earth. And I'm I'm going to pick up the story in John 17, and that's where we're going to spend some time today. Um, John 17, Jesus is praying over his disciples. And you think about this. He could pray about anything in this moment. Let's, Let's learn what he says. Holy Father, I'm about to leave this world and return to be with you, but my disciples will remain here. So I ask that by the power of your name, that you protect each of the ones that you have given me and watch over them so that they will be united as one, even as we are one. Jesus prays for their protection and he prays for their unity. Why do you think he takes a moment and he doesn't pray, oh Lord, let their, let their miracles be strong. Let them walk in the power of the gifts. Let them, you know, do mighty exploits for your kingdom. Why does he not do that? Because he he knows that that's going to probably be the thing that they want to pursue themselves anyways. But that this was going to be the thing that will trip them up. Their disunity. Their hatred of each other. Their inability to acknowledge and value someone else other than them and their own faction. Jesus prayed for our unity. And listen to this. It gets even better. I ask not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. Say this, Jesus prayed for me. 
Let's say this, Jesus prayed for me. That's right. Some of you can't even get those words from your lips. But Jesus did pray for you. He prayed for the disciples who would come to repentance. Not only for those who are you with me now, but also for those who will through their message one day believe. I pray for them that they all will be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. You know why this is so important? Because that is the way we represent God best. If we are one, if we exude the character and the nature of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, that's when we are most powerful in our testimony as the church. That's why this is so absolutely important that we live and act like, like Christ, like Christ ones, like Christians. You know that little song? It goes, why don't you dig a little deeper in God's love? Why don't you dig a little deeper in God's love? Why don't you dig a little deeper? Yeah, you got to walk a little more like a Christian should. You got to talk a little more like you know you should. And it, it communicates a truth that God wants us to represent Him. The Bible says that the church is meant to manifest the manifold wisdom of God to the world. And to the rulers of this world, we're meant to show them how to live, not ask them how we ought to live. But we fail as witnesses if we start hating one another and if we start division amongst ourselves for things that are earthly, even though we might perceive them as really important. See, in the first century, that meant that Jews, Gentiles, Rich, poor, slaves, free, educated, uneducated, we're all called to be one. We're all called to love one another, to live with one another, to embrace one another. Not just tolerate each other. And and, and look at me. Tolerance is great, but that's not kingdom. Let me just be honest with you all. God calls us to love each other. Not to just... Hold out until I don't have to deal with you no more. God calls us to love each other. In our century, it means that Republicans and Democrats, independents and libertarians, black, white, married, single, anybody and everybody ought to live together in love and unity in Christ. So it really doesn't matter which faction you prefer. Your witness, your Christian witness, your representation of Jesus Christ is on the line if you cannot live in love toward the person who is on the opposite of the aisle of you. And as the church, we have the capacity to be better than the world. We need a model to them. How do we get to live in unity with those we disagree with? Because don't get me wrong. We're not going to get to a place where we always agree on everything. But you know what would happen if you would just take, take the guts to just walk up to a person just like, you know what, I agree with you so bad right now, I want to strangle you. But I would rather come and ask you to help me try to understand why you say what you say. Where does this come from? Because I, I cannot understand how you would think like that right now. But I want to learn. 
talk to me. And you give that person an honest opportunity to express what is important to them, what they value, how they view things, without just you know, dismissing it as nonsense. But asking questions. Where does that come from? Why do you feel so, so very passionate about this point of view? Gain understanding as to why there are such that disagree with you. You know what you'll find? So often, the favor gets returned. You actually get to explain your side. And because you are humble to receive what they were saying, I didn't say believe, I said receive what they were saying, they might be humble to receive what you're saying. And you can go and say, hey, I learned something today. And they might go, yeah, I learned something today. And next time you speak about somebody else, you go, you know what, they're not all that bad. Some of them have valid points that I can learn from, that I did learn from. Here's the truth, guys. Truth belongs to God. All truth is God's truth. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle says it. This is important. It's true because it's true. Not because your part of your side of the aisle said it. And this is an important thing. Because so many people just believe it's true because their faction said it. You have to test that against something objective. You cannot just go with whatever narrative that you hear out there. You have to test it against something that holds objective truth. And the only thing in this life that holds objective truth is the originator and creator of this place. That is God through Jesus Christ. You have to test what you believe to the Bible. You have to. So how do we as the church come together and create unity? There's a couple of things we have to put in our hearts. We have to settle in our hearts first before we'll be able to act like I just said. To go over to somebody and ask for an explanation, for a reason, for a conversation without strangling a person. Or spitting vitriol on social media. Honestly, honestly. You're not being a representative of Jesus by just spitting vitriol on social media. We're better than that. Because we serve a king that has hope for every part of life. Every person of every side of life. And we need to become a representative of that king. Not first and foremost. How do we stand united? How do we become and build and create a greater unity? Because let me say something about our church for you. I have a deep, deep desire for our church to be multicultural, multinational, and a multi-ethnic environment. And that is what we are exercising our faith to building. It's going to take a lot for us to reach that. Because everything I just said has divisiveness connected to it. But that's what the kingdom of God is calling us to, everybody. That is Jesus' vision, and we would be amiss if we are building a vision other than the vision of the king of this kingdom. We cannot settle for anything less. We have to keep fighting for it. And sometimes I have to fight myself the worst, the, worst, the most. Because I like an environment that does not challenge me. I like to just go and surround myself with everybody that agrees with me. It's comfortable. But the kingdom of God calls on us to enter the tension and to find his perspective regardless of what it is that we're talking about. And if it means that I need to, 
kind of lay down my opinion that I would do that because not this guy's right, but because the king is right. And I want to align with him. And if that means I now agree with you, then glory to him, not glory to you. You're not losing anything by accepting truth in your life when it comes from your opponent. You're gaining. Because our objective is not to win against each other. Our objective is to win against lies. Our objective is to win against the kingdom of darkness. We're pursuing the wrong goals, guys. The church is not meant to fight other humans. We're meant to fight the kingdom of darkness. And we fight the kingdom of God darkness by correcting ourselves. By humbling ourselves. How do we manage to stand united? Well, the first principle we have to build into our lives is we need to learn to value diversity over uniformity. God desires oneness, not sameness. In fact, God created diversity. There is no way God is able to express all of him through one individual, except Jesus Christ, because he was perfect, but other, us, us as humans. There is no way he can perfectly express himself through me. And that's why he needs you and you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you. He expresses his nature and his character through humanity. That's why there's different personalities. That's why there's different preferences, differences of opinion, differences of value. Because God has this overarching nature and character that just does not get full expression through one individual, or even one group, or even one culture, or even one nation. And so you'll find what you represent in your nation, the holy parts of it, is a representative of God. But you will be amiss to not recognize the holy things that are representative in other nations. There are values and, 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 and characteristics that other nations are, you know, are prioritizing over certain other things that this nation is prioritizing. Because it's godly. And this nation can learn from other nations how to express Jesus to the world better. By valuing diversity. And by that I don't mean that you value lies or something that is not from God. It's just that you value diversity. That sometimes truth is going to come to you in a package that does not look like you, does not sound like you, and you will be wrong to reject it. It's not true because it comes from your country. It's not true because it comes from your culture. It's not true because it comes from... Your group. It's not true because it comes from your church. It's true if it's in the Bible. I'm running ahead of myself. I'm going to get back to that point. Okay. The second thing we have to value is we have to value God's purpose over personal preferences. See, I said this, but Jesus says this in John 17. He says, I have glorified you on earth by faithfully doing everything you have told me to do. The way we glorify God is not with our own good intentions. Let me say that again. The way you glorify God is not through your own good intentions. The way you glorify God is through obedience. It's by laying down your preferences, laying down your pursuit, and taking up your cross and following after what He has wanted you to do. What He has got planned for your life. That's how you honor God. 
Christians are so about all their good works and all the things that they do for God. Stop that, man. Honestly. For God to obey is better than your sacrifice. For you to listen is better for Him than for you to sacrifice. God is not impressed by your intentions. He is impressed by your obedience. Because obedience takes faith. Obedience takes faith. Because often you're going to do something that you don't know if this is even doing something. If this is even working. But that's what, pres- that's what uh, 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 glorifies him. And Jesus did, he said in another place, I am about my father's business. I only do what I see the father saying and doing. That's Jesus' perspective. How can we as his body have any other perspective? Let me ask you this. Which parts of your life is not being about Jesus' business right now? That's where you need to change. That's where you need to align. That's where you need to repent from your dead works. And believe me, sometimes the most beautiful, the most nicest thing that you do can be a dead work. Why? Because you're doing it because it's your preference. Not you're doing it out of, not out of obedience. God wants us to obey first and foremost and to live our life in alignment with his kingdom principles that pleases him most. The only way to unify as Christians is not to try to prove to each other whose candidate is the best, but to actually start declaring to each other who is our king. Our candidate won't save us, but our king can. Our king can. Number three, we need to relieve truth over personal opinions. John 17, 17, your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. Now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. Jesus died for truth. He did not die for your, um, for your opinion. So if you're, not serving your purpose, if you're not serving God's purpose on your life, if you're serving your purpose on your life, you might go and say, Oh Lord, so this is my vision for my life. I need you to help me do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm sorry, Christ is not going to strengthen you to do what you want to do. He will strengthen you to obey. Because He's not going to allow division, two visions in His house. And so the sooner you submit your vision for your life under His vision for your life, the sooner you'll start feeling the unforced rhythms of God's grace and favor, start walking ahead of you, opening up ways for you that was not able to be opened by man, and you experiencing the breakthrough of God's promises in your life. But you have to first take the step of submitting to His vision before that will ever take place. So many Christians get disillusioned with their walk because God's not doing what I'm telling Him to do. Well, guess what? (laughs) You're not the king. (laughs) This thing doesn't work that way. (laughs) It works the other way around. You give up what you want to do. And now the king makes the way. And you start walking in and experiencing the blessing of his goodness and his grace that walks in in front of you and behind you. And covers you and protects you. We have the order wrong. He is Lord. I'm not Lord. He is my Lord. And I follow him. 
The goal to oneness is through embracing diversity, through accepting God's purpose over all this. So what happens after the election? It's like the same thing we've been doing. It's like, you know, have you all seen that show, Pinky and the Brain? You remember that show, Pinky and the Brain? One is a genius, the other is insane. And every single day, the insane one asks the question, what are we going to do today, Pinky? Well, the brain says the same thing we do every day, silly. We're going to take over the world. And the plan never changes. Guys, our plan never changes. Our plan is to bring the kingdom of God to this world, to get people saved through the power and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to preach a gospel that provides hope for both sides of the aisle for what they truly desire to see in this world. The same thing. Make disciples of all nations, like Jesus said before he was ascended to heaven. That is the purpose of the kingdom of God. And anything different just won't be empowered by God. It just won't be. And we will work our tails off. For God. And miss the whole plan. That's religion. And Jesus did not come to bring a religion. We create wholeness by accepting truth over my personal opinion. Let me say something about personal opinion. Comes from personal experience. Comes from a world view that says that your experience legitimizes your opinion of reality. In other words, you can only know what's true if you experience it. That is diabolical. That does not come from heaven. Truth is not determined by your experience. Truth is determined by Jesus, the creator of this world, who designed it and who has the final say of how it's going to end. He gets to determine, determine what truth is. And mine, your job is to not take, take our experience and decide what is true, but to see what is true And long suffer through our experience until the truth is manifested in our reality. That's what faith is there for. That's what the promises of God is there for. And so when you're struggling, you're going through something hectic right now. The only way it gets better is if you grab a hold of the truth of God. The Bible says hope is like an anchor to our soul. You put that anchor onto the hope of Jesus Christ and His way and His will manifesting in your life. And it doesn't matter which way wind blows you or the currents take you. You are anchored in hope. But if you don't have an anchor, you'll just be swept away by every wind of doctrine. By every new narrative that gets pushed through whatever source you are listening to. It'll just it'll swish you off and, you, and, you, and very soon you'll have no firm footing because you've never established that truth is objective. It's not subject to my experience. There's this thing floating around that says, well, tell me your truth. Just be clear right now. There is no such thing as your truth or my truth. The word truth is what it is because it is so in any circumstance to every person everywhere. That's what, something, that's what it takes for something to be true. It has to apply straight through everything. If it does not apply somewhere, well then it's no longer true. Then it's perspective. It's opinion. So come share your opinion with me. I like to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to learn where you're at. I want to learn how you think. I want to learn what you see. But don't push that on me as truth. 
Because there's only one truth, and that's Christ. There's only one objective truth, and that's Jesus and his word. And the only way that you and I are going to come together is, first and foremost, we both need to acknowledge that there is one truth, and that is God's truth. And that that truth calls both of us to align to it. I'm not calling you to adjust to my truth, because there is not such thing. I'm not calling to accept my opinion, because I'm just as valuable as you. My opinion is just as valuable as yours. I am calling you to adjust to the same truth that I have adjusted myself to. And that is God's perspective of this world. We need to accept truth. The Bible says, your word is truth. Jesus prayed and says, your word is truth. Psalmist writes, the entirety of your word is truth. It's truth when Jesus says it's truth. There's this, uh, this little um, incidence in baseball um, once happened. The, 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 baseball, the umpire's name was Bill Clem. And uh, um, it was a very tight game. Uh, they were, they were, bases were loaded. They, they had somebody on third. He was about to run home. And, um, you know, the pitcher goes for it, and the guy hits a ground ball. And everybody starts packing out, running. And so the guy makes the, makes the line down to home base, and, and he slides in just as the, the, you know, the ball catcher, just as he get, catches the ball. And, you know, so you have this team shouting, he's safe, he's safe. And the other team shouting, he's out, he's out. And, and the commotion just comes, and everybody's like in this guy's face like, he's safe, he's out. And the guy goes, shut up, everybody. It ain't nothing till I call it. <laughs> Literally, this happened. It ain't nothing till I call it. Think about that. It's true. That umpire had the right, the authority, and the responsibility to call what is the what what it was. I can't. I don't know what he called it, but that day. But no, I don't know. But the bottom line is, it ain't nothing until Jesus calls it. That's the point. Your opinion, my opinion, it ain't nothing until Jesus calls it. That's the perspective that we need to take among ourselves and be humble when I came up with something that evidently was shown to not be aligned with God's truth. You're like, oh man, I missed it. I really, really did think this was right. Dad gummit. But but then go, all right, I'm gonna just have to, I'm gonna have to humble myself. There's no shame in accepting that Jesus is correcting me. When you correct me, there's shame. Because now you have one up on me, right? And we don't like that. (laughs) But if we can just realize that correction comes from God's truth, then you become my my friend. Because better is the, the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. You showed me something where I was out of line with my king. And the worst thing I want to do, the last thing I want to be is out of line with my king. And so I'm going to repent. I'm going to go like, Jesus, I'm sorry I had this wrong. I didn't see it the way you see it. I'm, I'm repenting. I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my thinking. I'm thinking, 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 thinking according to your word, your way in this situation. You see, in our reality right now, you have Republicans shouting, safe, safe. This guy's shouting, out, out. We have to live 
and a higher reality than that, and that's the kingdom of God, where he gets to define what is right and wrong, and that also determines my actions. We need to stop trying to rewrite the Bible when the Bible was written to change us. Changing the Bible don't get us anywhere because it was written to change us. You see, it is above us. It is supracultural is the big word they use to say it is above every culture. Every culture is called to bow their knee to Jesus. If we do that, we'll gain a freedom that is not a man freedom. It is a godly freedom. How do we do this? Value diversity. God did not expect us to all be the same, all act the same. All. It's not about sameness. It's about oneness. It's about acknowledging who is the king and his rule and his truth over our opinion and serving his purpose above our preferences. And the last one is to choose to love people rather than to degrade them. What's going to happen? Somewhere in the next week or so, there's going to be declared a winner of this, this uh, uh, election, right? Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. Now, everybody here has their hopes for who is it that's going to be the winning party, right? Some of you just, just blasé. Uh, that's okay. I embrace that diversity. <laughs> um. But God called us to love one another because it's when we do that that we represent Him the best. John 13 says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other as I've loved you. That's that's how you should love each other. I want to appeal to you at the end of this week, if it's that fast. I know some say it might take longer. The way you win says a lot about what you believe. So you can win and you can acknowledge that there's going to be somebody who's really, really disappointed that they did not win. And you can win with grace in your heart. You can win without rubbing it in other people's faces and degrading them and criticizing them for how they ever could thought that their other side could, could have made, made it to victory at all. The Bible calls us to mourn with those who mourn and to, and to, have, to have rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice. Your party didn't win. But do not for one minute think that because your party won that we've won. When the kingdom of God wins we start winning. So be humble. Your party winning is one step in the direction of some of the things that you believe really needs to happen. It's not all of it. If you lose, you need to know that you can lose with dignity because your value isn't bound up in your political party's achievements. The promises of God applies to you, not because you're Republican or Democrat, but because you're a Christian. 
And therefore, you can still pray. And the kingdom of God will still come in the areas that you find important. Because Jesus is still on the throne. And that brings us to the question, what happens after this? After this, we have to find a way to walk forward. You are going to be really ashamed if you degraded and made somebody feel like an absolute idiot. And then you have to go and say, hey, would you like to join my life group? Be careful how you treat people in your victory. Represent Jesus in your victory. But if you're in the losing party, represent Jesus. Represent the boldness, the security. Represent the, the, I am a child of God. Nature and character of Jesus Christ that knows that Jesus is still king over all of this. And his will and way will be established in our society. Even though the party that I believe is fighting for it isn't going to be in governance right now. His will and way will eventually be established. God is calling on us to represent Him first and foremost. So you're going to go this week and probably some of you are going to go and represent your, your, your political parties. That's fine. There's, no, there's no, nothing wrong with that. But remember that you do reveal who your real king is through what you do and how you do it. Let Jesus be your the thing that you promote most. And let His purposes be your guidance, not your own. Psalm 133 says this, How good and pleasant it is when people live together in unity. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing of life forevermore. Unity is important to God. Unity is important to God. And our job as a church is not to add to the chaos, but to be a solution. To be a solution that shows the way forward where all people will find that God loves them and that He really, really desires them to be a part of His agenda and His drive we can do that because we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. Because the King is our ruler and He governs our hearts. So let's pray today. Father, I just come now in Jesus' name and I thank you that your Holy Spirit is guiding us into all truth. Lord, I pray that you will help us to, to realize that all men belong to you and therefore all men are worth something are valuable all men are worth saving and therefore are worth connecting with are worth respecting are worth are worth being reached out to all of mankind Lord God carries your your imprint on them and there is not one soul on this earth that you do not cry that that is mine he or she is mine. Father, help us see this world through your perspective. Help us see your church through this perspective, Lord God. 
Help us, Lord, this week as we determine who we're going to vote for, to really represent you in what we vote for, who we vote for. Thank you, Lord God, that we can, we can know that unity is very important to you and that you will empower what is important to you if we come behind you and follow in your footsteps. Lord, we want to create something that the world can follow, something that says to the world, this is a solution to our, our issues. And Lord, we hope that we will put you at the very top visible to all who look see that it's only in you it's only in you it's only in Christ that there is hope for this world there is hope for for people to be saved for things to be corrected Lord God I pray for each person here who are going to be watching and and seeing the outcome of, of the elections that they might know that they are still secure in you and that they are still loved by you and not forgotten by you regardless of whether their party won or lost and that you will be faithful to them Lord if, if they are faithful to you to your, to your principles and to your promises and that they can walk tall walk with dignity and value but Lord, I do pray, Father, that your kingdom will come in America and it will correct, Lord, a lot of things that humanism have broken down. The best of human efforts have produced very meager results for, for very many people, Lord. And I pray that your kingdom will come and, and chart the way forward, Lord God, and that you will put in place those people that will make that happen practically Lord God we pray over this nation that you will bless her Lord God and that your truth will reside over her once again we pray that in Jesus name Amen and Amen